Welcome to episode number 82 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast for helping academics change the world through online business. Helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your background, around the changes you want to make in the world, around the changes you want to make in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are talking about Instagram tools, tips, and strategies. We have back on the podcast, Steph Compton from steph.sci.access on Instagram. Steph, thank you for coming back on the Grab Blogger podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm excited once again. I'm really excited to go through this. Those of you that listened to the last week's podcast will know that we covered Steph's story on how she got started online, her academic background in nutrition and dietetics. I don't think I said that word right that time, but I did try my best. Oh, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about her strategy, if you want to call it that, or the, the way that she's built up her following online, because it was quite unique. She has her Instagram following. She has a newsletter. She's built off Instagram using a really cool tool called Flowdesk. And we talked a lot around how those two kind of integrate with each other, how she's building up her email, how she's segmenting it, how she's using opt-ins without even having a website out yet. And by the time this episode comes out, she will have her website up. She has promised me, so we're going to hold her to that. And that's at stephcomptonnutrition.com. Besides that kind of really interesting, again, strategy or process she went through, of, of building up her online following, I really want to get her on just to talk about how do you use Instagram effectively in today's kind of environment. The last podcast episode we had specifically targeting how to use Instagram was with Dr. Melanie Bruce, and that was back in episode 16. So it's been well over a year since we've uh, we've had somebody on specifically talking about Instagram. So I'm excited to have Steph on. So Steph, thank you for coming back on. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your your experience here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for having me. I'm excited to talk about Instagram today. Yes. Yeah, so we are talking about tools, tips, and strategies for Instagram. As always, we will have the transcripts of this episode at grabbler.com slash 82, a nice PDF download. And we will probably put together a cheat sheet of the top five or six or seven tips and strategies that we pull out of this interview that you can get at that link at grabbler.com slash 82 as well. So we talked about your background and your academic background, your kind of journey online last week's episode, so we won't uncover that here or rehash that here, but maybe can you tell us a bit about how your overall strategy and approach to Instagram, I guess approach is a better word than strategy, strategy sounds kind of methodical, but has your overall approach to Instagram changed as you have grown your following over the last two years? Yeah, so I might have mentioned this a little bit in the last episode as well, but I'll kind of go over this again. So I've had my my Instagram account for almost two years. It'll be two years in December. So I've definitely changed my strategy since coming to Instagram. I talked a little bit in the last episode about how I've really stepped into the middle of really bringing my, like the nutrition science that I'm really deep into with the human aspect that I'm really interested in and bringing that science to people in a way that is usable for them and is useful and interesting and is something that they can learn something from that will give them some foundational nutrition knowledge. And I also talk to healthcare providers and other like fitness coaches or other professionals in the field and how they can increase like the accessibility of their of their um, Instagram account and how they can be really effective communicators in that kind of area. So one thing that has definitely changed over the course of my Instagram account is definitely aesthetics. I've, I've changed the aesthetics. I don't know if you've if you scrolled all the way back to my very beginning posts, but they were relatively, I mean, sad from my thing, from my perspective now, but at the same time, it's just really getting started and really getting in there and finding your voice. So I have found my voice probably 
probably in the last year or so, like it really took some time actually getting on the platform, um, learning how to communicate effectively, how to make good graphics, how to make good like swipe posts where you can really fill even an Instagram caption and Instagram post with so much good information. And my, my overall approach has really gone from just kind of going about stuff of like what I wanted to communicate to really feeding off of what people are interested in, what people ask me, what people are bringing to me and like asking me questions about in my newsletter, my weekly Q and A and my DMS and my comments, and then bringing my own knowledge and expertise to the table with that as well. So part of my strategy has changed again in the aesthetics of that, but also in the different things that I communicate about. So I've definitely expanded from more of a just basic science communication into more of a very um, niche worth in what I'm actually working in. So that's been one of the bigger changes that I've made for sure. Yeah. So we have sort of a change around, you know, topics that you're discussing and audience that you're talking to. And we talked about this in the last episode where your kind of sweet spot is this connector, the middle ground between things, yeah. <laughs> the middle ground between <laughs> fields, the middle ground between types of people and, and groups. And it's really smart then to bring that into, okay, well, this is what I'm good at. This is how I'll you know double down on communicating that way through your social media platform. You talked a little bit about how you kind of moved from maybe, you know, random topics to more structured topics that people are actually asking for. I, I look through your Instagram. It's very well laid out. Um, and I, I should have mentioned this at the outset of the podcast. I am not an Instagram expert. I'm I'm barely even an Instagram user. <laughs> and that is a, a bit by choice because I've chosen to focus on different areas of my business. But I did try. And the reason I had Dr. Melanie Bruce on episode 16 was like, okay, now's the time. I'm doing it. And I did it for two weeks. And then, and then I gave up. And now we're on eight, episode 81. And, uh, and I'm talking about it again. So I am a noob at this stuff, but I do... I don't know the answers, but I'm not afraid to ask the questions. So that's why I have Steph on to, to talk through this. So with that in mind, do I, like when I scroll through your feed, I do see that there does seem to be a pattern and there does seem to be, you know, ways that things are coming out. Do you have sort of specific types of posts or categories of posts that you use to get that kind of overall flow or how's that work? Yeah, so really the the process of how I actually plan out because I'm I'm one of those people that I like to plan out my grid. Like you said, you scroll through it and you see a pattern. I know that not everyone cares about the pattern. I literally asked my audience this a couple of weeks ago if they cared about the pattern and literally everyone said no. But you care. That's what matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and that's everyone that said that they did care, they messaged me and they were like, "Listen, I only care about my own. I really don't care about anyone else's." <laughs> so, I feel like most people that do a pattern really only care about their own pattern versus like everyone else's. So if you're the type of person, I, I like my pattern because it gives me some structure of what my posts are going to look like. So I'm not just going into to content creation, not knowing what like I can do. So like I have so many ideas, so many post ideas. I have running lists of ideas for posts that I may make that are related. So usually, you know, I think one thing to think about when you're, when you're creating content for a platform like Instagram is that you can go about saying similar things in so many different ways. So like, for example, I've had, I've had posts on metabolism before where I'll go into things like, okay, well, is your metabolism slow? Probably not. Your metabolism is probably not slow. What does your metabolism look like? How many, you know, how does your whole body metabolism work? Like how, how does the calories feed into that? What is cancer metabolism like? Right. So like I have this one topic of metabolism, but I can approach it so many different ways. And I can, I can rehash it again for the people who may not have seen my, you know, 
is your metabolism slow post from like a year ago, I can revisit that and really bring it to life again. So I, that's definitely one thing I want people to keep in mind when they think about creating content is that it can, it can be reused, it can be rehashed in a different way to hit a different audience or to hit like a, a different part of that same subject so that you're you're talking about all these things and you're not having to just sit down and say, okay, well, what am I going to post today? You know what I mean? So a pattern within the grid really gives me, gives me at least some, some structure that really helps me. And when I'm creating content. So if you go on my Instagram account, you'll see like some are just pictures, some are pictures with text, some are just text posts. Usually I, the way that I sit down and create content that way is I'll think of, okay, well, I, I usually reserve my text posts. My, my ones that are only text on the screen versus a picture on the screen, I reserve those to be really heavy hitters. So if I think that a subject is going to be really interesting or it really needs in-depth knowledge, I'll usually make that one a text post. So I think you mentioned this one last episode, my um, mitochondria aren't shaped like beans post. I knew that one was going to be interesting, right? Like I know like people were shook that I ever suggested that mitochondria might not look like beans. So I definitely wanted to give that one a whole text post so I could really go in depth of why mitochondria aren't shaped like beans, right? So if I have something I really want to, like a really meaty topic that I want to give a lot of information about, I'll make that one like a whole text post so people can swipe through, people can read it, and it's not necessarily like just my face on the screen, right? And then I have other posts where if I if I want to make sure that people can find it in my grid, I'll definitely make sure to include like text on the photo so that it's easy to see like this is what this post is about so that if anybody's interested in going and, and looking through my grid, they can see, okay, this post is about metabolic flexibility, or this post is about, you know, cancer metabolism, or this post is about accessibility, right? So we can, we can use the aesthetic of the picture, not just for the aesthetic itself of like, oh, this is pretty, but also to our advantage in, in creating content that is, it can be highly shareable, highly savable, or that just reiterates and resonates with our audience. It can be, it can be really useful for that. Yeah, a couple things there. I mean, you mentioned repurposing your content as I mean, I'm I'm huge on this so much that a whole business division we have is based on Google Alerts that I started using five years ago, and just sort of kept building on it and building on it and building on it and building on it and and repurposing same content over and over and over and over again. We covered that a couple times in the podcast. Probably I think it's the yeah the Content Machine series. So if you go to episode 23 of the podcast, content curation repurposing we covered that in detail and then we'll have links to the other content machine episodes from that same that same episode there but you're applying it in a different way but the same sort of idea you know instead of every time thinking of a brand new thing you know have a general topic and think about the 100 different ways to express that or 100 important subtopics of that topic write those down and then that's the kind of content you can kind of keep cycling through so repurposing is one thing you mentioned the other is this you know, heavy hitters. And I love that. And it's true qualitatively, at least when I look at your Instagram, I have clicked probably on maybe six, you know, posts since we've been doing our last interview and this interview, I say probably five of them are the text posts and one are the, you know, one is an image with text on it. I never thought about that, but I I think if you probably did the math on it, you'd see that most people are clicking on these text posts, Mm -hmm. especially your mitochondria aren't shaped like means. Yes. I know who they were, but I I wanted to figure out why they weren't. (laughs) So yeah, that's a really good tip. Think about what your your impact posts are going to be. I think you like a presentation, right? If you're doing slides, sometimes I'll have a a full color slide because I really want to have impact on that slide and we'll 
you know, I'll show it, we'll stop and I'll allow there to be silence so that we can really double down on this discussion we have. You know, it's got to be serious, this one. Um, it's the same sort of thing with your posts. Yeah, exactly. And one thing too that I want to reiterate with those posts is, you know, I, I say heavy hitters because they're they're so easy to click on. They're so like catchy. They're easy to share because, you know, it, it's not necessarily my face that you're sharing, right? Like you're sharing like this, this text, this graphic, whatever it happens to be. But really one thing I really want to do with, especially those posts that are really my heavy hitters and are really full of knowledge and, and education is I don't, I don't just want people to click on it. I want people to share it and I want people to save it. So those those metrics, like if you're thinking about Instagram and growing a following and growing and actually like stepping into being someone who's a leader in, in that field of, you know, that section of Instagram, I guess you could say, you really want to have people engaging with your content and likes are not like everyone wants likes, everyone wants followers, but really what you want is people who are sharing your content and getting it in front of new people and saving it so that they're, they can look back on it later. Like I, I literally had a follower yesterday DM me and say that she had an entire like folder of posts that I had made because they, they all kind of you know, I, I build off of them together so I can refer back to them and other people can, like if I talk about something and they want to learn about it more in depth, they can go back to a previous post, but people can also share it and they can save it and keep it for later just in case they want to refer back to it. So those heavy hitters can really be, you know, heavy hitting, not only for, you know, the, the click factor and the clickbait, I guess you could say, but also that you're actually getting people to engage with it further than just a like, like ever, anyone can just like something if they're just scrolling their feed and, you know, double, double tap and it'll like, but getting people to save it and share it is what's really important with those bigger posts. Yeah, this is really good. So uh, I did not realize, so again, Instagram is not my jam. Uh, someday I will get better at it, I'm sure, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm learning here with the audience. So I clicked on the mighty chondria aren't shaped like beans. So first thing, if you're if you're close to a computer, go follow steph.sci.access and see how she does this. It'll be easier to to understand this podcast episode if you do that. But then you have really in-depth images behind here about what they actually look like, science drawings. And I can see how this would be tremendously easy for somebody to share because it makes them look good because it's such a, a great piece of content. Yeah. And I didn't even know you could save them, but I could I could see how people would also save these. Yeah, I would be using them for like my literature survey if I was in this field for sure. <laughs> Pulling sort of information in. <laughs> and to give you some some insight into my insights, because I know like, you know, most everyone that is not on my profile only sees the likes of these, right? So you see my mitochondria aren't shaped like beans posts and you see, okay, I have right now I have 920 likes, which is actually a lot for, for my platform considering right now. So my text posts always do. 922. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like, <laughs> so it, it's pretty good, but my insights, like just for, I guess, transparency sake, if you, you can actually go into your Instagram account and if you have a business account or you have a creator account, you can view your insights on each post and you can get data from that. So if you look at the data from my mitochondria aren't shaped like beans, I got 85 comments, which was a lot for my platform, but I also got 209 shares and 180 saves. So 209 people shared it either through DMs or into their stories and 180 people saved it for later. And so what that means is that my, my account now has gone gone further than it usually would. So the post reached around 6,000 people and 43% of them weren't following me. So that's how you really grow a lot of your audience and grow your authority within a field is getting that those shares and those saves because it gets you 
in the algorithm for the person who saved it, but also gets you in front of further people. And that the having a business account or a creator account is so useful because you can like see those metrics go up and down and kind of measure which posts are doing better, what you should post on again, or what you should post on more based on those metrics. Awesome. And how do you get a, a business or a creator account? So I think it, I believe it's in your settings. I would recommend if you are not an active like brick and mortar business, honestly, I would suggest a creator account. You're going to get the exact same things that you would get with a business account. But when, so the Instagram recently re- released a new feature called Reels, which is basically TikTok on Instagram. And one thing that I ran into, because I used a business account, one thing I ran into was that I didn't have the music feature. And that's just because if people assume, like I think I, what I think is Instagram assumes that if you're a business, that you would need the rights to songs. And so if you're a creator, I got my music feature back by being a creator account. So I personally suggest having a creator account unless you have actual like products that you want to put in your grid or you are like a brick and mortar kind of store. But you go into your account settings and you can change your... um, you get onto account, you can actually change that for either from a personal account to a business account or creator account, depending on which one you are. Okay. And is that, is that free for both of those counts or is there uh-huh. a fee with that? Yep. Yep. No, it's free for both of them. Really cool. So those counts allow you to see your shares and see your saves and have analytics on that. You mentioned that the creator account allows you to do some extra things with music. And then I, I missed the part on the business account about products. Can you say that one again? Yeah. So I believe, and of course I don't have like products that I put into my grid. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. So don't quote me on that. But I believe um, with like a business account, the difference would be that you can, you have the opportunity to run ads. You have the opportunity to put things like in your grid that people can directly click on the picture and then take you, it takes them directly to the product itself on a website. So I, that might be the biggest difference between them. Again, don't quote me on that because I don't have actual products that I sell that way. But I would recommend unless you have products that you would like to sell that way, or you want to run ads, I would do a creator account. Okay, got it. Perfect. Anything else on this sort of topic of what kind of posts you create, what kind of content you create, how you set up your your grid and your account? What are we What are we missing that we haven't heard yet? I would say, so some other tips and tricks that I have, I guess, related to content creation in and of itself is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, thinking about like questions that your audience has or different ways that you can approach a similar topic or, you know, different, different questions or things that you've learned yourself. I also tend to stick to certain topics. So I'll try to not post on the same topic every single day. So for example, one of my topics I like to post about because I am a cancer researcher, I like to post about cancer and I typically don't post about cancer like every single day of the week. Maybe I'll sprinkle it in like maybe Monday I'll post about cancer, but then Tuesday I'll post about like just a neutral nutrition factor, nutrition basic. And then the next day I might post about like, you know, my personal life or something like that. So I, I definitely like to bring in a little bit of myself into my feed just because I feel like it helps people connect with one another because again, I'm a connector. So I love to be able to, to have all my topics and educate and still have like a little bit of myself and my personality in my grid as well so that people can connect with me. And even if those aren't the heavy like shares and staves, I still have people that are, you know, relating to me, getting to know me and I'm getting to know people also. So I get to know people in my DMs or in my, in my um, comments. So also with content creation, like I said, I, I try to do that. I try to plan my posts a little bit in advance. So 
I like to plan my grid out and, and kind of come up with that pattern. So I'll know like, okay, my next post needs to be a post that has, it's all text or the next post that I make, I'd like to have it to have no text on it. It'll just be a picture or the next post, maybe it'll be a picture with text. So I'll, I'll plan out my grid a little bit, but kind of let the the topics come a little bit more organically. I have a list that I like to keep of different example posts and I'll kind of try to pick from those or I'll go off of something that someone's asked me or something that's happening in the real world like right now that's relevant. And so I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of flexibility, but also to try to plan my posts at least like a, a week or two in advance just so that we... I have a little bit of space and it's not taking me hours every single day to be able to make a post on Instagram because it can take a lot of time, especially for those larger heavy hitting posts. Like those can take a lot of time. Other than that, I, th- I think that's pretty much my biggest tips and tricks on, on some of those, but we can go some more in depth if, if that leads into any other questions. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of questions, but we'll need to, uh, we'll need to restrict the amount that I ask to keep the podcast in there. But uh <laughs> So I want to dive in this workflow a bit. So you, you mentioned that you, you plan in advance. So that makes sense. <laughs> it's probably where I failed um, back, uh, whatever it was, 80 episodes ago. But you also have some templates that you pull from, and then you also have some sort of ideas that you pull from. Are you doing this just like pen and paper? Or are you using a you know Excel sheet? Are you using a tool? Like what when you actually are trying to picture Steph Compton sitting down to plan out her Instagram, like what does that look like? Yeah, so I can actually I'll lay out the entire like process of this. So when I when I sit down when I sit down to plan my posts, I actually um, have a template. So one of the biggest platforms that I use to make my post is called Canva, C A N V A dot com. So Canva is a um, website. It has a free version and it also has a paid version where you can go on and you can create like different posts and different like aspect ratio types of things that you can download and then use wherever. So for example, I'm, I believe the paid version, you can create like Instagram posts or Instagram stories or Facebook covers or, you know, email headers or any anything like that. You can go onto Canva and create those things. So I, I do have the paid version. I actually bought the paid version for another reason, but then just ended up using it because it was so useful for me to be able to import my own like different fonts into. So I do have the paid version. And so I'll, I'll sit down into Canva and I'll, I have a template that I can uh, put in my uh, pictures and the different things that I want to post and kind of look, see what they look like. Does it look aesthetically pleasing or, you know, are my posts going to line up? Does there, is there variety? Like I'm not putting a text post right over a text post. And so they kind of like blend together. I have them separated so that you can create some, some visual like diversity within my feed. So I'll do that first. And then when I'm actually sitting down to come up with an idea, I have a list of different ideas that are separated out by my um, topic that I want to post on in a um, Google sheet. So an Excel file, it would do the same thing, but I, I just use a Google sheet. I don't know why. It's easier to go across if I'm on my computer versus my phone. Um, I can look at it that way. So I use a Google sheet for that purpose. And then whenever I actually write out my caption, I'll do that in Google Docs. And again, for the reason being that I can go from my desktop to my phone very easily. So I'll usually actually type out my posts on my computer. So in Google Docs, I'll make my post if I'm if I'm making it in Canva. So say I'm making one of those really big text posts, I'll actually like make my post in Canva and type out my caption related to what the information is that I put in my Canva post. 
And then I'll, um, one part that I do that not many people do, but this is part of my accessibility is right before I go to post it, I'll actually copy and paste all of the text that's in my Canva post into that same Google doc as my alternative text. So what alternative text is, if you're not familiar with it, is it's text that's embedded into photos that it can be read by screen readers. So I personally do that for my account because I want my account and the information that I give to be accessible to anyone, no matter their ability. So if someone is using a screen reader, so someone who may be blind or visually impaired or who just prefers to use a screen reader is accessing my account, they're not going on my, my Instagram account, which is mainly pictures, and not being able to access that education that I spent so long making. So I will actually copy and paste all of the text that's from my Canva post into that Google Doc. And then all of it is a matter of downloading the Canva graphic to my phone and then uploading that into Instagram and then copying, pasting my caption and all of the alternative text into Instagram. And then I can post it. So it's, it's a rather long process, but that's like for one of my larger posts. If I'm just posting something that's like a picture and a personal story, that one takes them a lot less time, right? Like I just, I type on my caption really quick on my computer and then I can copy and paste it into Instagram from my phone and just upload it that way. So it, it definitely depends on the type of content that I'm making and how quickly that is. If I'm doing like an Instagram reel, for example, I'll have to make the video itself and then, and then add the text to it like you went on a regular TikTok and then make the caption as well. So there's lots of different ways that you can go about it, but that's kind of a view into how I do my different posts. Oh, I love it. So if you're trying to figure out how to set up your workflow, go to grablar.com slash 82, download the transcript and just do what she just said. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, or just press rewind and you can write down the stuff yourself as well. But I, I took a couple notes there. So, I mean, you have Canva for your your templates, mm-hmm. um, but also you can import. And I, I did use Canva for some of my instant reports that I did early in my business. The, the design was was less than stellar because of my skills, not because of Canva. Um, but I, I, I do have some familiarity with it. So, you know, you can create the templates. It's really great. But you can import your fonts. You can import your, you know, logos. You can import your submarks, your, your colors, your lines, all the things that you kind of would use as branding elements. Have those already sort of pre-set up. You have an idea list and a separate Google Sheet. And then you'll type out your posts or captions i guess what's the right terminology there the text that goes with it your Mm -hmm. caption in the google doc and then you sort of have everything you need for your post to to upload to instagram i like the accessibility piece so i just want to make sure that i have that right and that the audience has it right as well you're adding um, alt tags to your image but it's not the caption that you're adding you're adding say if your image was mitochondria aren't shaped like beans then your alt text would be mitochondria aren't shaped like beans so that when somebody uses a reader they get the text of that or not the text they get a description of the image is that yes exactly okay yeah so like it, it we'll just keep using my mitochondria aren't shaped like beans post for an example so if you, yeah this is going this yeah. lax we've been using it <laughs> yeah yeah so like you said like the with the alternative text i i will import my all the text that i put into canva i put into my alternative text but if you if you swipe on the image you'll see some pictures in there in my alternative text i also describe the pictures within that so like for that second slide i I 
forget exactly what I put, but it, it may be something like, you know, I'll put the text and I'll be like, image features a graphic of an animal cell showing the inside of the cell, including the nucleus and mitochondria and like different things. Or then I might say like, oh, and it also this photo also includes a graphic of a mitochondria that looks like a bean, right? And so like, I'll, I'll, if I have some kind of graphic in there, I'll also describe that within the alt text so that that information isn't lost on there, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and then I assume their reader, and I was assuming this, but I want to clarify with you so I, I and the audience understand how it works. I assume their reader will read back the caption and like responses to the caption that, um, that it can do that automatically because that would be text in the first place is that right yeah so with a screen reader so like for example if you're if you have an iphone i personally have an iphone so i'm most familiar with voiceover which is i the iphone screen reader so whenever you're you're using a screen reader on a post like that it'll it'll tell you that there is a swipe so it'll read the picture first and you can swipe over and read the other rest of it and then you can go down and read the caption as well so you can you can tell it to go to different places within the screen using like if you want like a two-finger swipe or a three-finger swipe or whatever and it does explain to you like how to do that if you wanted to get her go test it out. But yeah, so you'll it'll read the the photo and then the caption after that, and then it can go down and read comments. I believe. Got it. Yeah, I, I figured it could do the text piece, but it's 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 helpful to understand that because if you do want to one, if you want to try figure out to make your content more accessible, then talk to Steph. This is her area. Yes, I want to <laughs> to to have that at least spelled out well in the podcast, so if somebody's listening to this, they can do that um, if they want to. So that's that's a really cool addition. I wasn't planning on, on covering that in the episode, but I'm happy you did because it's, it's an important topic. Yeah, and I definitely do it every single, every single time that I make a post, I make sure to have the alt text put in there. If it's a simple just picture, I'll just type something out like Stephanie standing in front of a white brick wall wearing this, looking away from the camera or something, you know, something like that, where it's not necessarily I have to like sit down and type it out. It can just be like a quick one sentence or, but with those larger posts, it's, it's especially useful to do it that way. Oh, that makes sense. So feel free, whatever level you're, you're comfortable of, of admitting or sharing, but you just give us an idea how long this might take because it does sound like a lot of steps. And yeah, just I'm just curious as to how, yeah, how much time of your day it takes to kind of keep this set of systems going. Well, I, I probably do it to myself and I have, I have admitted this before on my platform. It does take me for some posts a pretty long time to make a post. If it's something that I am more familiar with, or it's something that like I've, I've recently talked about or recently covered. So if you take my, my bean mitochondria post, for example, this one was a relatively quick one just because I already kind of knew the topic, but it still took a while to actually get like the Canva done. So I, I'd say this one probably took me an hour and a half just as an FYI, but there are definitely some text posts that have taken me longer than that. And it's just depending on, I like to heavily research stuff if it's not something that I'm super familiar with, or it's not something that's, you know, super in my lane of like what I'm doing like right now recently. So I, I tend to research a little bit more than I probably should just because I, I really want to get really good information and provide resources if I can. So with those larger text posts are definitely like sometimes up to two hours, maybe two and a half, depending on how many swipes I have. Like I have some swipes that are like all 10 pictures, right? Like, so we, I have really, really big posts versus posts that are like pictures or just like a photo with text might only take like 30 minutes or 45 minutes, depending on, on when it is. 
so that may sound like a lot to the audience, but I'm looking at this thing. It's a blog post. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's got high quality images. It's got high quality descriptions. It's probably, I don't know, it's probably 500, 600 words. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a blog post. I mean, and how long does it take to do a blog post? Well, if you're really quick, you can get them done in an hour. If you're, you know, medium, you're talking two to three hours. And if you're just getting started online, you're probably spending two days on, on each blog post. So it, it, it put in that context and it goes back to your, your heavy hitter thing, right? Like you're only spending this time on those heavy hitters and it shows like this, this post as you, I didn't write down your numbers, but has a thousand likes and um, I think you said 200 saves or something. Like, yeah. 200 sins and 180 saves. Yeah. And that's, shoot, that's better than most blog posts, right? Most people aren't saving your, you're probably not getting hundreds of people copying your your blog posts and saving it to a Word doc so they can read the thing later. Are there people that just take this and create a blog post from it? Like I'm thinking it'd be quite easy just to repurpose this into a pretty high quality blog post on your own site as well. Is that frowned upon, not good practice or something that's completely acceptable? No, I definitely think that that would be a smart move. And actually is something that when I, once I have my website up and open up and running and I, I had considered doing a blog, but honestly it might just be more of a copy and paste my Instagram posts into a more blog format. Just like you said, because you're reusing that content. Like I've spent so much time on that content. And even if someone's not on Instagram, they maybe can find it through a blog post or maybe I can turn it into a Pinterest pin or something like that, where I'm not, I'm not creating anything new. I'm just putting it in a different format and just doing the exact same thing, just on a different site or in a different like version, I guess you could say. So I definitely say that's not, that's not frowned upon. I would, I'd in fact, encourage it. Yeah, I think that's great. And just looking through, I mean, you have, you have a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of these posts. I mean, you could populate a site for the next two years with this stuff and, <laughs> and it's good. Like, it's not like crap either, right? It's, it's high quality researched. The images are great and the branding's on point because you forced yourself for the Instagram. So the site's going to come out really good looking. Oh, yeah, really cool. <laughs> We're getting into the stupid but now maybe complicated questions. So you might not know the answer. Maybe you do. Do these get indexed? Like you're talking alt tags on all these images. Is Google indexing these images such that if I Googled your alt text, I'm trying to figure out if there's going to be some clash between your 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 blog in this and and this is uh beyond the the advanced tips and tricks that we were, we we promised in the show probably but i'm curious if you know anything about that because now my mind's kind of spinning on on this stuff yeah so i don't think that it functions the same way like seo does so if you're unfamiliar seo search engine optimization i'm sure you know what that is but just in case for for people who are listening um i don't think it functions the exact same way that seo alt tags would function. So I don't think it goes into Google analytics that way, but I do know if you were, if you were to search like my name and like one of my posts that definitely comes up in Google. So, um, I don't think the alt text itself though does for my knowledge, but I, I could definitely be wrong. <laughs> yeah. It'd be kind of interesting to see because it, it may, it may impact your, the way you, you copy the posts over. You may want to it's not going to index a text because the text doesn't have, it's just, a, it's in an image. So that you can just take and, and copyright in. But you, if it does index the posts, the alt tags, then you may want to 
change those up. But anyway, okay, we digress. This is a uh, my yeah. I, <laughs> I get excited when I see piles of content lying around. That's really good. <laughs> I'm like you should uh, you should start putting this out into the world because you have uh, multiple years worth of excellent content that the world needs, and they're they're not you know not everyone's digesting it. So anyway, too excited. Um, I reel back in. So we talked through you know strategies, workflows, how you actually get things up on your your Instagram. I want to try to get three things in before we, we cover it. So I want to talk about branding a little bit. I'll talk about any recommendations somebody who's getting started. And I want to talk about what are some of the strategies that worked for growing your audience. So the first one, how do you go about just making sure that your branding is consistent? Because it is. It's And it's even consistent in these these swipe posts. Like it, It's very consistent the whole way through. So what are some things that you do there? to make sure that your branding is on point. I'm assuming it's involving involving Canva, but you have any tips for somebody who's looking to try to get their branding like that? Yeah, yeah. So I've definitely DIY'd my branding. <laughs> I have not hired anyone yet um, to like do anything like that. The only person I've hired, I hired a friend who made like a logo for me, That, but that just happened. So <laughs> it hasn't shown up in a lot of my posts yet. So most of my branding actually was... I kind of derived it mainly, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's, I mainly derived it by the clothes that I wear. <laughs> so I, You're I killing me, Steph. Do you know, <laughs> do you know where the grab vlogger colors came from? We, we mentioned this in the last podcast episode. This stuff kept saying things from my past that were bringing it up. The grab vlogger <laughs> green is from my, one of my favorite shirts that I still own. Oh my um, gosh. And yes. Then, uh, okay. I'm not the only one and I'm not crazy. I got, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the designer came in and maybe toned down the green a bit because um, it was too loud. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's really funny. Anyway, I digress. So yes. you picture branding from your favorite clothes. That's but there's a thing there, right? Like if it resonates with you and and is one thing, but two, somebody else has spent the money to figure out that that green is a good green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, I definitely just went on, I went over like through that. So I was like, okay, well, I I have these clothes. It's like, oh my God, I have a lot of greens. I have a lot of whites. I have a lot of blues. Like, how can I bring this into a like color palette? So that my pictures would be the same and would match my color palette and it would all kind of be really cohesive. So if you, you can scroll back, like I went through several color palettes actually of what I did. The first color palette I had when I like first started my account was actually based on a sunset picture. But I was like, I don't really like those colors and I really more resonated with the colors of my clothes. So that's kind of what I went off of. And so I literally, like, I took some pictures that I took. So all of the pictures that you see on my Instagram account, I've batched. So I literally, like, I I went on Amazon. I got a... I hold a tripod that would hold my phone that came with a Bluetooth clicker. And I went out like a couple days and just took pictures and like every outfit with every hair different and whatever. I did it all in like three days, I think. So that I would just, I wouldn't have to go out and like be like, okay, I've got to take a picture with my post. I got to do this. I got to do this. I just have all of my pictures and they all generally match like I have similar outfits or similar, similar pieces that I can like fit in there so that I didn't have to do work multiple days. I could just do three days done. And so doing the branding with that, I literally took some of my favorite pictures and I think I threw them in Adobe Spark. I believe I've done this forever ago, but that's an app. I think they have a free version that you can get. And I literally just, I put some in and let it create a like palette from that. But if you don't want to use Adobe Spark, you can also just Google like hex code finder 
and it will, there's several online there where you can upload a picture and you can like move your cursor to different parts of the picture and select hex codes for the colors from that. So I did that. And then because I love accessibility and I make it part of my platform, I picked colors that I could make accessible also. So the point of that being, I wanted to have really good color contrast with my with my posts. So I, if I'm going to put white text, I want to have a really dark background. Or if I'm going to put black text, I'm going to have a, a relatively light background. So I picked like whenever I make a post, I tend to make them like that. So you'll see a lot of like lighter tones and that really ties together most of my feed because I stick to those main colors, those main patterns and have good contrast within that as well. Like always thinking about accessibility in the back of my mind, but bringing that forward and kind of sticking to that same color palette and photography style as well. I do also, this is just a side note, I do... I don't edit my photos in the sense of like, I change what my body looks like. The only thing I ever do with my photos is I throw them in Lightroom mobile. So that's an Adobe app. There's, it's free version on mobile. So you don't have to pay for the, the desktop version. And I just edit them to be kind of a, a similar style so that they can, they can all look relatively the same. I think I have a preset that I made that I just apply to every photo so that they look the same as well. That was a lot. What what else was there in that question? <laughs> no, that was, you got it. So I'll summarize a couple of tools you mentioned. Adobe Color Wheel is a great way. I, I think it's Adobe Color Wheel. If you Google that, you'll probably find it. But a great way to kind of pick a set of colors that are complementary to each other. Um, and you can kind of, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but like chromatic and there's, you know, different types of ways colors can be, color theory, we'll call it. And then you can select, you know, one color and it'll pick the rest for you. So there's that, and then I think Adobe Spark is what you mentioned. If you want to drop some of your own photos in, and that will tell you what the resulting color real colors would be from that. You mentioned some, a couple of really good things around contrast. You want colors that contrast to each other really nice, but also think about your text color, so blacks and whites. Can you do white on your, your heavy color? Can you do black on your light color? So you can't do that, and it looks like garbage. It's going to ruin everything you do in the, the other color. So that's a, another really good tip. Using the tool to because it i can tell now when i look through your photos that they are all the same i would say wash or lightness like they're it looks like you put them through something that that has made them sort of the same set of tones so that that's a really good tip as well and then for your actual colors like how you're if i look at your mitochondria aren't shaped like beans post you have a you have the green background with a green bar and some lines coming from the side are those all sort of pre-set up templates that you've created in Canva then with these colors? So that's a great question, actually. And one thing I do want to mention. So Canva has some really great, I guess, Instagram post templates that are like that. I actually bought some templates from someone um, when they first launched them. It, it's um, Brant Creative Co. I can give you her like spelling and everything. Um, Tatum Brant, who she sells different templates like website templates and things, but she also sells um, some Canva templates. So that I actually bought some from her and just kind of made them my own. So I don't use the exact templates that I bought from her, but those those bars on the side are definitely something that I've continued to use and definitely something that came from her original design. So I definitely want to give her a shout out. 
but some of the other things, like if you look in my feed and you see some of the the posts that have things like the search bars or something that has like the little reminder sticker that almost looks like a reminder that pops up on your phone. Those are elements that are from Canva itself. So I didn't come up with those. I, I found them within Canva and kind of took them and made them my own and have them fit my my general style of posting so that they they're not the exact same templates that you would get from Canva, but I've kind of put them my own spin on it. And I definitely feel like that it makes it a little bit more my own, but still keeps it interesting. And I can add those different like template elements that I didn't have to spend tons of time actually making. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I like that. Um, we will, we'll follow up and try to get that uh, reference from me for, for Tatum. Cause that's a, that's a good one. So it is, it does look really sharp and it reminds me back. I, I used to, uh, and still we've had recently on Dr. Echo Rivera and she does a, uh, she does a lot of work with academics and others on creating presentations and slides. And I remember early days in her business, reading some of her stuff on how she creates the same look and feel across all her branding. And she was talking about these different elements, like the lines that you have in that. And she had, you know, kind of theory behind it. And it was all, uh, it was all resonating with me. Like, yeah, this is how you really do it. Mm-hmm. So I just made stuff up. I, I, I don't <laughs> have the, uh, the ability to be able to make this stuff look good. Okay, so that's a lot of background on the on the branding side of it. If somebody is just getting so two things, if somebody's getting started and then you know, I want some strategies for somebody who's more advanced and looking to grow their audience. If somebody is just getting started today, do you have any, you know, we, we covered a whole lot of ground. So I, I'm worried that if they try to do all of that, then they won't ever start their account. <laughs> yes. you know, what's the kind of first things they should be looking to do if you're if you're just getting started today? Any recommendations for somebody there? Yeah. So yeah, we have definitely covered some really in-depth, like this is, this is all the things I have learned about Instagram for (laughs) two years. So if you're just getting started, I want you, if you, if you're on my profile already, I want you to scroll all the way back and look at how little branding and things I actually had. Like I did not start like this. Okay. So I want to make that clear. I definitely, when I started my account, I literally just started it. So I got on, I had some topics I wanted to talk about. I, I would take a couple of random pictures. Like if you go back, like some of my pictures on here are atrocious. Like now looking back on them. You're too but, hard on yourself, but that's okay. <laughs> but you know, it's it's getting started, right? It's just taking the taking the pictures, writing the captions, and that's really gonna be how you how you learn what you want to do. Because I, I don't want people to also like look at this and be like, ooh, I need to do what Steph's doing. Because I think you really definitely need to do like what feels best for you. And so you're not gonna find out what that is until you actually like get into it. Like what feels best? Do you do you only like making Instagram stories or do you only like making, you know, Instagram TV like episodes? Like there I know plenty of people that do all those things and like don't post often and adjust in their stories or mainly focus on taking videos of themselves and posting that, like getting to know your own communication style and what you like to do is really just going to be you getting on and just being messy and just doing it. Right. So with, with starting out, I would just say like, if you are interested in building an audience or building a platform or building a business or whatever you're, you're getting on Instagram or any other platform to do, starting out and taking the first little baby steps is what's going to get you to getting your systems, understanding where you need to go and developing your style and your voice within that. So definitely don't start out wanting to do all these things with Canva because then you're right. You'll never want to start it because you'll be so like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do all these things. I don't know what I'm doing, but getting in and 
and just even starting communication, that's really how you're going to build your audience and build your platform is actually getting out and just serving the people that follow you versus just making it pretty, right? I know plenty of people that don't spend all the time that I do on this and still have amazing followings and audiences because they spend their time creating value. And that's really what's important. Yeah, I'd agree. If you want to see what it what it, what it looks like at the the start for somebody who's completely doing it, go to uh go to Grablogger on Instagram. <laughs> I'm looking at it here. I got oh, I got some some family shots, of course. I got some cats. I got some uh, Jadakus rap. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff on here. Uh, I haven't looked at it in a long time, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But I was, and you know, and I do have some branding things. We're posting our, our blog posts and stuff. But we were getting traction. We were getting people click through. It wasn't. It wasn't that it wasn't working. It was just that the mental capacity that I had to figure it out was was limited. And I probably suffered actually from what we're talking about here, where I was like, well, maybe I got to do all these things. And then just jammed up and said, well, I won't even get started then. So that's a really good, you know, kind of frame is just get started, see what works, see what resonates, see what you like. If you don't like some aspects of it, then don't do it. If if you are looking to grow your audience, if you have some success, you've turned out you do like it, <laughs> then do you have any sort of strategies for anyone to to start to grow their audience? I know you've been actively growing your audience over the last two years, so there might be some interesting stuff there. Yeah. So one thing I definitely think has helped me grow my audience is just consistently showing up. Like not, I don't show up and post every single day. Like I didn't post today. Right. But it's just showing up like you're in your stories, like sharing something or you're, you're sharing other people's posts or you're talking to people in DMS. It's, you know, and I know I'm a connection person, but I really truly think that those connections and meeting other people in your field or meeting your followers or like having them meet you is where you get word of mouth and where you get authority and where you get people to make connections. And like the more people that you know that have made that connection, they share your your information or they share your posts. And then that gets more people into your audience. So I always talk, you know, think about this as well. Like so many of us get bogged down by like, oh, like I lost followers or I've, I've not been gaining any followers, like, you know, full of transparency. I worry about that too. Sometimes like, you know, you go through dry spells with the Instagram algorithm all the time, but I don't try, I try not to get bogged down by that because I know if I just continue putting out good content and I get, I keep serving, that is how I'm going to build an audience. And that's really what the purpose of my Instagram account is for anyway, is to serve and to bring that information to people where they're at so that they're not having to go out and like, they, they either can't find it or it's not available to them or they, they don't see it anywhere. So just built in, in building an audience, serving that value and connecting with people, I think has been the most valuable thing for me. So again, connecting with your followers, but also other people in your field, if, you know, commenting on other people's posts, sharing other people's posts, DMing them um, can be very helpful in, in just like a connection way, like not like a creepy, like, hey, can you share my post kind of way, but in a, in a way like you're, you're actively making connections. And, you know, sometimes I, I joke that I have so many Instagram friends, like I have so many people I've never met met in person that I talk to on a daily basis because I've been able to make those connections. And even, even people, you know, getting that, that word out and talking to people and serving that value, I think is the most valuable thing that you can do. Oh, I love it. I think that's an excellent place to leave off on. It's probably worth noting that we just did an hour long Instagram <laughs> tools, tips and strategies podcast. 
and we didn't mention stories. <laughs> oh my gosh, so, we didn't. Yes. <laughs> so maybe we'll, we'll I, uh, we're going to leave it because we try to keep these uh, keep these short so folks can uh, listen on their way into to grad school or the way into the office to to teach or or whatever. But I, this may be the first uh, podcast in the history of podcasts on Instagram that actually didn't talk about didn't talk about stories. So this this is a good one. <laughs> Um, we'll have to get you back on for the three-peat in the future. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I can talk about stories all day too. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, we will, we will uh, we'll wrap this one up, Stephanie, but I, I really appreciate you coming on, teaching me about this stuff and teaching the audience about this stuff as well. And it's, uh, it's been pretty insightful for me. I've learned quite a bit about Instagram, but also some tips and strategies on other things around the business, like using Canva for branding templates like how to organize information i mean you can use the same strategy for your workflow that you're using for blog your your posts are blog posts so you could use them for blog posts you could use it for you know twitter you can use it for other platforms as well so i think there's a lot more than beyond just the, the instagram that uh, that you can learn from this episode yeah for sure awesome well thank you stephanie i appreciate your time again and um look forward to the chance you had to get you back on the podcast to talk about stories at some point yeah, of course. No, I'd be happy to come. And thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Steph Compton from Steph.Sci.Access on Instagram. Uh, and we were talking about Instagram tools, tips, and strategies. And we went pretty deep here. As we mentioned towards the end, we didn't even get a chance to get into stories. So that's how how far down the, the rabbit hole we kind of came out and, and came back up to. Uh, this is the second interview with Steph, the first one we talked about her story, her academic background, why she's there on Instagram, how she's using this in a really interesting and novel way from my perspective to build a newsletter for her business um, and how this feeds directly into her, her website that's going to be coming out, which is at stephcomptonnutrition.com and really her plans for the future. She's, I think we called this, you know, digging the well before she's thirsty and building up this authority, helping people, answering people's questions even before she has a product seller, even before she has a website to send them back to. I was, I was really inspired by that. In this episode, we covered a whole whack of tips on Instagram. We are going to create a, a cheat sheet. We're going to have to just to contain all the ideas and thoughts that were in this episode. But you can get that cheat sheet at grabblar.com slash 82 or you can get the transcripts of this episode at grabblar.com slash 82 as well. My page is actually too full to try to even decipher what the notes are, but there's a whole whack of great stuff in here around workflow, around branding, around templates around the even creation just the creation of content repurposing your content how to track metrics um, we went some kind of crazy stuff on google search engine optimization on alt tags accessibility we covered in how to make it accessible to people that um, are using readers and you know all kinds of different topics on this area so i encourage you to go to steph.sci.access on instagram and follow her there that would make my day if he did it because he uh, really came out today and helped us a lot to, to understand this topic. And I know that if you do follow her and if you join her newsletter, you'll learn a lot there too as well. So I'll say thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Again, you can grab the transcripts and grab the cheat sheet that we'll create from this episode at grablawyer.com slash 82. And I look forward to bringing another guest or doing a solo episode on topics around building your business online as an academic next week on the podcast. 